I'm Glenn Richards, and it's always a pleasure to speak with one of the hosts of NPR's Morning Edition, Steve Inskeep. You all know his work as a journalist for NPR, telling stories big and small, and multiple guest appearances for television like uh, ABC, NBC, CNN, and PBS. Maybe you've read his writing in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, or the Atlantic. He's also the author of four books. Instant City, Life and Death in Karachi in 2011, Jackson Land in 2015, and uh, Steve, the last time we spoke was January 2020 before <laughs> the world changed. <laughs> uh, Im- yeah. Imperfect Union, how Jesse and John Fremont mapped the West, invented celebrity, and helped cause the Civil War. And I'm not saying that that interview caused the pandemic, but uh, it was just that kind of timing. It's incredible to think now. I mean, the pandemic was already spreading at that point, but I think only the smartest experts realized what might be coming. Yeah, it was like a week later, everything just boom. Yeah. Um, your new book returns to the pre-Civil War era, 1855, and it speaks to today's polarized country, Differ We Must, How Lincoln Succeeded in a Divided America. Uh, so a lot like your previous book, this story happened over 150 years ago, but has contemporary parallels. Oh, I sure think so. I try to tell Abraham Lincoln's life story in the 19th century through a series of meetings he had with people who disagreed with him. Um, and that's what democracy is, really, is disagreement and trying to figure out what you do about those differences. Everybody in this book has a different background or a different opinion or something than Abraham Lincoln. Many of them thought he was totally wrong. In many cases, he thought they were totally wrong. And the question is what to do about it. And I do feel like that speaks to now. Yeah, absolutely. When did you get the idea for this book? Was it before, during, or after Imperfect Union? Um, yes. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I've always uh, loved Abraham Lincoln as a character. I grew up in Indiana, which is where Lincoln spent a lot of his youth, the majority of his youth. Uh, And so maybe we heard about Lincoln in Indiana even more than everybody hears about Abraham Lincoln everywhere. I've always had Lincoln books in the house. I've always picked up Lincoln biographies and other things and, and read about his stuff, even like bought books of his speeches and so forth. But it was working on those earlier books, like the one you mentioned, that brought me more closely in touch with the history of America before the Civil War, which does feel constantly pertinent today. I'm not saying we're heading for another Civil War, but it was a divided time. And that got me closer and closer to the story of Lincoln and honestly built up the confidence in me that I might have something to say other than what thousands of other books about Lincoln have already said. Yeah, I mean, he's so well studied. So what is different about your book, Uh, 16 Conversations? Tell us about that. Yeah, um, I I mean, people who read will decide if if things are truly new or not. But I'll tell you what was new to me Mm -hmm. um, is the techniques that Lincoln used to persuade people and deal with people, and also the incredible variety of people that he met. Some of these meetings are super famous, like there's an encounter with William Henry Seward, his Secretary of State. And you can read about that in Doris Kearns Goodwin's amazing book, uh, Team of Rivals, just to give an example. Some of the characters are much less famous. Someone like William Florville, who was Lincoln's barber, or Mary Ellen Wise, a woman who dressed as a man 
and said that she had fought as a soldier in the Civil War and appeared in the White House asking Lincoln for help to get her back pay. Crazy stories all through this book. Slave owners, people across the political spectrum. And what I get from all of those meetings is a sense of Lincoln's understanding of people and of human nature and of what to do when somebody radically disagrees with you who's across the table or across the room from you. Wow. Um, so what about his style enabled him to, to do this? I mean, he, he had many different approaches. I mean, yeah. including yeah. sarcasm and, and joking. Um, yeah, he was an entertaining guy to be with. He could also be a frustrating person because you'd walk into his office and he'd tell a story and you'd say something else that would remind him of another story and you'd leave the office and realize you <laughs> had the hole. answer you came for. for. Um, and people who knew him well and studied him thought that was part of his technique. Mm-hmm. Lincoln was a talker. He talked all the time. He was an eloquent writer. He wrote the Gettysburg Address, the second inaugural, great like political literature. Um, But even as he was a talker, he would withhold things. Um, He would not necessarily say what was on his mind. He would remain mysterious. And part of what he was doing was trying to shape his argument to fit the interests uh, and the preferences of the person in front of him. He wouldn't necessarily lie to anybody, mm-hmm. but he would try to take people with different points of view and say, this is what is in my political position for you. I have thought about your interests and your understanding, and I want to work with that. He believed that human beings were primarily motivated by interest, by self-interest. And he had to meet people as they were and try to match their self-interest with some higher cause if he could. He didn't do it the other way around um, and lecture people about why they were wrong. He tried to figure out what narrow area of of agreement they might have and see what they could do that was right. Wow, what a concept. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of gone out of style. People today, not everybody, but some people seem to think that it is almost morally wrong to talk to the other side or that it's useless because I'm just never going to persuade my crazy uncle who disagrees with me politically to accept my point of view. But I do want to say I don't think Lincoln necessarily persuaded a lot of people to change their fundamental beliefs either. Um, That's really hard. That's really rare. But he paid attention to them. He listened to them. He empathized with them. And then he tried to figure out how he could gain advantage from that meeting. Maybe they would become parts of a coalition even though they didn't agree on everything. Maybe they would never agree at all. I mean, many of these meetings in the book, the 16 meetings, some of them are failures. They don't end up resulting in anything. But Lincoln tries to find some way to make the best advantage he can out of the situation. And so in that way, each encounter is valuable. So find some sliver of common ground and then build on that if possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or at least know your enemy, <laughs> you know, right. know what the other guy is thinking and know what the limit is. And know yourself, knowing your own limits. Yes, yes, exactly. And obviously it, it didn't succeed uh, completely because we went to war. No, that's ex- exactly true. And that is a fair question that some people have raised about my premise, the idea that Lincoln was a coalition builder and that he reached across divides. He didn't always succeed in that. Uh, And that's actually an important thing. Um, Lincoln was the president who was in charge when the United States uh, was at war with a large part of itself. There was a rebellion. Now, we should note, southern states started this. They tried to leave the Union to defend slavery because they didn't trust Lincoln as a Republican anti-slavery president.
president to protect their rights in the way that he promised to do. Uh, and southern states fired the first shot at Fort Sumter. There should be no doubt about the reason for the war or who started the war. It's still a fair point, I guess, that Lincoln did not prevent the war. So if your goal is peace at any price, Lincoln is not your guy. But Lincoln, before the war, played a role, along with many other people, in building an anti-slavery coalition, which we now understand to be the right cause, to build a broad coalition that ultimately put him in the White House. And when that resulted in rebellion, he successfully built an even broader coalition and held it together in favor of the Union. And because he was able to keep a majority of the country together, it was almost like an election. He had the majority on his side, and that translated to a numerical majority of soldiers on the battlefield, which is the primary reason that the Union ultimately won. So he ultimately succeeded. Yes. Um, wow. Well, it's fascinating. What is, I know we're running out of time. What's about the Civil War keeps inspiring you? You go back oh, to this period. My, well, goodness, I'm, I'm certainly not the only person uh, that, that is obsessed with this topic. No. <laughs> Years ago, I read Shelby Foote's 3,000-page uh, uh, Civil War history. I mean, there's just incredible amounts of, of material. It is endlessly fascinating. But what drives me back to it, and what drives me back really to the whole 19th century, um, is it's an opportunity to see an earlier version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's the same landscape, basically the same landscape. The climate has changed some, may change more. In some cases, it's the same buildings. I live in Washington, D.C., and I can go to the Lincoln Cottage where he spent summers. I can go to the White House. I can go visit the Capitol where he served briefly as a, as a congressman. You can go see the Civil War battlefields around here. So you can walk the same ground. And you can think about people who lived in a very different time, and yet it was the same basic republic, the same basic system, the same basic separation of powers, and they were trying to make the system work then, and we can learn something from them as we try to make the system work now. Yeah, because uh, we're dealing with a lot of the uh, outcome, the fallout from, from that's that That's true. Still. I mean, there are people who say the Civil War is still going on. I mean, that's a little hyperbole, but right. in some ways, not. We do build on the arguments of the people who made those arguments before. All right. Well, uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, Steve Inskeep is a host of NPR's Morning Edition as well as NPR's Morning News podcast, Up First. And his latest book is Differ We Must, How Lincoln Succeeded in a Divided America. You can find out more at penguinrandomhouse.com. Search Inskeep and, of course, npr.org and search Steve Inskeep. Steve, it's, it's a pleasure speaking with you again. Glad to do it. Thank you. I hope we don't have a pandemic this time. Me too. Or a civil war. Either one. Either one would be bad. Cool. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye.